0: Welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. I'm your host Ivy Lassiter and I'm so glad you're here. Pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about all the parenting stuff. Lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who've been there. Let's get started. On today's episode, I'm talking with Brett, Sean, and Bree. Brett and Sean adopted two children, and I love their honesty about the joys and challenges of adoption. And specifically open adoption. My first memory of Bree is when she was in third grade and I'll share that memory at the end it's pretty funny. So I've known and loved this family for a very long time but never have taken the opportunity to ask them specific questions about adoption. After it I left feeling so sharpened from our conversation and I hope you do too after listening to it. Okay, so Brett and Sean, how did y'all land on adopting? We were having
1: you know, infertility issues, but years prior to that, God had put um, friends in our path who had adopted before us. So in my mind, they kind of paved the road for that. And kind of while I was doing some infertility treatment, Will and Cindy were on the adoption path. So we were having conversations, Brett and I were having conversations right. about that before it even became, should th- Should this be a path we take?
2: Yeah, and Sean and I, I mean, we always, even before thinking about having a family, we'd always been open to adoption. I mean, we'd even talked about that. So in our minds, it was never that big of a hurdle of a decision to get past, right? I mean, it was like, yeah, we're open to that. And uh, when it kind of came time... Then uh, it wasn't that challenging. And what you hear a lot is people like, "Oh, that's so great that you adopt." You know, like you're helping other people out, right. and and that does happen, absolutely. Right? People go to other places or even domestically, and they do that because there are children in need. Right. Um, that that was not really our path, right? That's not what we were doing. We we wanted to have a family, and this is how we were going to have a family. Yeah. So, So it was somewhat selfish in that regard, Uh, not really an act of altruism, but just an act of, okay, we want to have a family, so this is how we're going to have a family. Yeah, it's like
0: that was our path to parenthood. Yeah, and what God designed for you guys. Right, absolutely. And y'all adopted Bree. She was not a baby. She was... She was 14 months old. Okay. So when in the process, do you specify...
2: You specify everything, which is... Which is one of the hardest parts when you're doing a, an adoption like that, because you're working with the agency and you literally get the you know sheets of paper that you have to check boxes on that have everything to do with gender, age, uh, health condition, race, uh, health related, drug things. use of the mother, right.
1: the birth mom and the birth father, um,
0: alcohol use different kinds of birth defects. And you can check, or at least through y'all's agency, you can check yes now on all of of this. Of course, that was 20-plus years ago. Yeah, and that
2: was through a faith-based organization, Buckner, Mm -hmm. in Dallas.
1: And it was kind of weird because a lot of the adoption process, you feel totally out of control, but that's one place you have control and kind of even more control than you would if you were pregnant. For sure. if you're pregnant, most people aren't going to say that, you know, if my child, you know, has this kind of birth defect, I won't accept them. Right. Um, But we had the opportunity to do that. And it was was, very uncomfortable. uh, Yeah, it was uncomfortable. I mean, some of it wasn't, you know, to say, I would prefer that, you know, the birth mom hasn't use crack cocaine or heroin because I don't want to have to deal with, you know, a child who has those issues that I don't feel like I'm prepared for. Right. You know, if you were pregnant, you might know I'm not going to be doing those exactly. kinds of things. things. Yeah. But um, then some of them were, you know, really kind of hard. You had to sit there and think, okay, you know,
0: a, a lot to process. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. A lot. Yep.
0: Okay. So what was it like when you met Bree?
2: So it was awesome, right? Because it I mean, it was very emotional, and and you know, there's a, a lot of fear in it because it wasn't. I mean, we're just meeting them, yeah. So we're meeting Bree and her birth mom, Dora, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was. I mean, she was running around and and you know, like a toddler does. Mm-hmm. And uh, super happy.
1: She's pretty precocious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Absolutely, right. And so a little
1: bit full of herself, but <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> Very bold.
2: So you're immediately like we'll you know, in a You're second. immediately like excited and wow, you know, this is I'm sure this is a child I could love, just look at her. Yeah. And but at the same time you're not sure if this is gonna be the child. Yeah. And they and they're sitting on the other side of the table, you know, more emotional, I'm sure. Mm you know trying to look at wow what's going to happen here and are we going to they call it a match right are we going to match or not match
1: yeah and every step of that's kind of guarded because you don't you don't want to get your hopes up too much because when we met Bree we had already had one adoption match that the um, birth mom Chose to parent after the baby right. was born, and so you just kind of were like, okay, we got to be kind of careful. She's really cute, but I don't want to think she's too cute. <laughs> and she <laughs> seems to really like Brett because she did. She uh-uh. really liked
0: Brett. Oh, <laughs> <Aww>. well, yeah, <laughs> but it's like you don't want to get too attached because right. you don't exactly. You know.
2: Yeah, especially like you know, Sean was saying, we'd already been through one that that uh, you know we did not end up adopting, and and that was a long story. And uh so it's and this was not that long afterwards
0: mm-hmm.
2: that we met Bree. And uh so yeah, we were absolutely guarded hundred yeah. percent.
1: Right. Plus our friends before it had those kinds of experiences right. too. So it seemed like a common occurrence to have adoptions not um, end up occurring. Yes. So
2: and that's just part of the open yeah. adoption process. I mean, there's this concept of Matching and so you meet. Yeah, everybody equates it to dating. So you have a chance to meet and get to know each other, and you're looking for a a mutual decision to uh, for the for the birth family to place, and then for the adoptive family to to obviously accept.
0: Okay, I want to jump to Bree. So, what is your earliest memory? Like, do you? It seems like you would have been way too young to remember any of this. Do you remember?
3: No, I don't ever remember any of like the adoption process itself. Yeah. Um I do just always remember Dora being there mm-hmm. and um I think, you know, often you get asked the question, when were you told? What was the conversation? And I always giggled at that. But the older I got, I realized, oh, no, that is a conversation because every adoption story is very different. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, it was always, I remember with my parents, even at the age of two and three, them saying, well, we're your mom and dad, and Dora's your birth mom. Mm -hmm. She wasn't ready to be a mama yet, Mm -hmm. so we get to be your mom and dad, but Dora's going to be around, and she loves you so very much, and that's why she made that choice. So that was always just an open conversation. And I was fortunate enough, like they mentioned to have an open adoption. And so Dora was at my games, was at my church choir concerts. I mean, she was always around. So that's, I don't think I have a specific earliest memory, but my early
0: memories are that conversation and her just being there. Yeah. And it seems like that probably was, it sounds like it was overall helpful for you. Having to her. have yeah to have a relationship with her. Yeah. Absolutely. I
3: mean, I think
0: people love
3: to hear my story and they're shocked to hear about it because so many adoption stories are not this fortunate. Right. It's very different. I mean, even my brother and I have very different adoption right. stories. So it definitely helped Having her there, you know, some stuff for the fun of it, right? It's somebody that I look like too, so that was kind of cool yes, seeing her and my cousins yes. and growing up. And I'm like, oh, I I look like them. And uh-huh. we always joke about she's directionally challenged, and I <laughs> I just got that. I couldn't. So my parents true. tried their <laughs> hardest, and they couldn't fight that off. So little things like that were a fun balance. But I will be honest; it was, and her and I have talked about this. It was more like she played a kind of fun. Aunt role, yes. if that makes sense, yes. because that line of mom was never crossed mm. between her and my mom, and she always wanted to remain respectful of my mom and her role as my mother. Wow. Because yeah. you know, I was placed. So yeah, yep. She was like the
0: cool hip aunt. Yeah. <laughs> were there any challenges? Like, would you say? Sounds like for Brie, it was really a great thing for you guys. Is would you say open adoption is a great thing, or were there challenges with that?
2: Oh, there's challenges for sure. So, I, I mean, I would say it's a great thing, you know, because that's the path we have to where we're at and that's great, but there's parts about it that aren't great, 100%, mm-hmm. right? And uh, some of it's, like I said, the upfront stuff where uh, things may not work out like you thought or maybe hoped they were going to work out. Um, and then, you know, the other parts of it are, you know, I, I, I joke when you do open adoption, you're not just building having a, a person come a child come into your world, you get their family to some degree yes. at least for a period of time. Yes. right? at least for a period of time. And so you know in that process, uh, you're dealing with you know those uh, challenges that they bring, right and, and And those aren't necessarily all bad or anything, but it just may be a little unexpected. So you may get phone calls like, "Hey, you know, can you help with this?" or, "Hey, you know we want to do it something this way, and it's maybe not what we had in our plans, and so it's a compromise right to some degree, and you're not you know you're there for the child, but to be there for the child means that you have to also in some way be there for their birth family um you can't you know you can't like love your child and shun."
0: That yeah. I mean like that can yes. you know, work in, and yeah. so
2: you're in a relationship uh that you know, like any relationship, it's gonna have gonna have some challenges.
1: Well then like all families, whether yeah. they're family through adoption or family through birth, there's messiness For sure. in all families. And there's great things in all families and they enhance your life, but there's the, there's complications means, too. Fam, but, families are weird. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. But the, what people think is going to be the hard part about open adoption mm, is that's true. I'm scared mm. that mm-hmm. because they can still have a relationship with the child that that the child may you know want to leave and go with them or they may mm-hmm. want to try and they may change their mind mm-hmm. and and choose to want a parent after the process or things like that and and, and we you know in, in most cases we're aware of in art that's not really where the you need to be right. concerned about i mean i, I don't think that's i'm mean, not to say it never happens but that's not the normal right, right. and uh so I, so i would argue that the good outweighs any of the challenges but it, yeah there's challenges
0: right Bree, did you know your birth dad
3: no okay no i didn't he um he was not in the we've had a couple conversations uh-huh. throughout the years but no it's pretty much just been Me and Dora. And I mean, that's presented a little bit of the challenge in its own is, you know, going through as the kid that almost internal battle of, you know, I have this, these two parents who are amazing and wouldn't trade them for the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm also lucky enough to have this birth mom who, you know, not that she has to earn that title of birth mom, but if there, if she did, she did, right? She was full out. She was at everything. She compromised as well. But I struggled with that. With him, right. of you know, almost the why? Mm-hmm. Why don't you? Why didn't you want me? Mm. Those kind of questions. And to be honest, coming from a biracial standpoint too, he, so I'm biracial, and sh- my birth mother's white, and he's black. Yeah. So that is mm-hmm. the only black family tie yeah. that I could have possibly known or had yeah. interaction, no matter what caliber it was. And I didn't get that. Mm-hmm. You know a better feel on some of my hair and different things of that sort that I yeah. think maybe could have happened. Um, but I mean, it it had its complications, but overall, it was, I think, for the better that I was with her. And then now she's married and I'm, you know, good friends with her husband and her and her family and stuff like that. But I think, too, I want to add one thing. One of the hardest parts for me growing up, and they're going to laugh, <laughs> is the terminology So I understand a lot of people just don't know, and that's, you know, they would always say, Brie, be patient. You just correct them politely, and hopefully they'll pick it up, but people often would say, real mom and dad. So when friends Referring to- Like my birth, my biological parents. Were your real mom and dad, people would refer to that. Yes. So they'd be like, oh, so who's your real mom? who's your real dad? Who's your real brother? I'm like, Sean and Brett Blagowski and Josh Blagowski. Like, I'm that little yes. kid that's just like, they're my real parents. If you mean birth parents, <laughs> little, bold, sassy Bree, she, oh, yeah. she didn't discriminate at that age yeah. either. So, <laughs> I mean, that, that for me was the heart. And too, because I was around my birth family so much when I was with them, they would just say, oh, where's your mom talking about Dora? And that was because, you know, to them, that's how it was. She was my mom and I was her daughter. So, yes. I would always have to learn to just say, oh, Dora's over here, Dora's over there. And I even remember when I was younger having a conversation with my mom, like, is that bad that I don't correct them? Like, is that rude to you that I'm not saying, don't call her my mom? And she goes, no, it's not rude. Right. You, know, you just do what you're comfortable with. Yeah. So,
2: you know, a lot of families have both biological children and adopted children via adoption, and people will refer to them kind of the same way, right? Or that your real daughter, real, you know, it's like, oh man. I know. You know, (laughs) not, you know, and you you do, you try and where you should, you know, politely correct and move on. And you you don't shame people for the terminology, right? Sean
0: might, but whatever. Oh, no. It's it's an
2: education, right? I make mistakes, I'm sure, in in the walks other people have that I'm not familiar with.
0: People are well intentioned. It's just, um, okay, so if y'all could go back to, you know, 20 years ago and tell yourself something. As parents, what like, oh, oh I wish I had known this.
2: Part of being a successful adopted parent is, you know, making sure that to the best that you can that they've got the relationship with their birth family. And uh and, and there's I mean, I think we did a lot of that right. I really do. But but looking back, I would say there's some things there that I would I would probably choose to do differently and maybe just be more uh more more proactive or aggressive hmm. in terms of trying to maintain uh some relationships and, and than than we were. I mean, we're always very supportive. It wasn't a lack of support, but but I I think I would do that. I, I think in our case because it's also uh interracial with our biracial children. I don't know how you learn that without living through it. Um hmm. you know, in current times, I think Mm-hmm. There's a lot more uh there's a lot more open discussion and there's a lot more uh education available to anybody that wants to to examine race and uh how to deal with interracial uh situations and relationships. I think in that case we were always very open about that, but I probably could have done more to to yeah. educate myself right. even in that. Yeah, case.
1: I'd say that too. I think that we worked really hard to make sure that um, our kids were in schools with a lot of diversity, hmm. um, that they had the opportunity for a lot of diversity. But then there are a lot of places that we just kept them kind of in definitely majority white places right. um, and didn't kind of go out of our comfort zone for them to be um, in a place that had. Um, more more people of color right and you know i'm getting to understand that more and more these days working through my be the bridge group yeah that kind of thing be the bridge has a transracial adoption guide that i'd kind of refer anybody to look at you you can see in what's happening today i just think that putting them in a school that was really diverse and we did that very purposefully and we were very intentional about how we went about that and where we chose to live. But I just think there's some more things that we could have done to help them because I think it's been a journey as they've gotten older that we didn't we weren't the colorblind parents. Right. But we still probably could have talked about race more. In the
0: home, like In, with each other. Yes. yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, we have books that showed lots of diversity. Yeah, we One, took effort, but yeah, there's we more took we could effort, have done. But there's more that we could have done.
2: And I think, too, I, w- I would say that, and Sean will probably laugh, that uh, I I ended up having a tendency to allow uh, their adoption, when there was pain in their adoption experience, mm-hmm. both, both Bree and Josh, uh, there were times I would, well, I was probably too uh, prone to. Use that as a crutch and, and or I don't know if that's the right word really, but give them like a pass on like, okay, you know, because you're dealing with this, I'm maybe not going to be as as strict or maybe I'm yeah. you know, I'm not gonna be as, you know, whatever from it's from a disciplined nature and so forth. Uh, because you, you're having to deal with this, yeah, and I didn't really let them ever do that, but I think I did some right. of that. And I think to answer your question, going back, I would do that differently, right? I would not uh, be as prone to to saying giving you a pass because oh yeah, you're you're having to deal with that,
0: right? Makes a lot of sense, Bree. How was it hard for you to have parents that were white that didn't look like you?
3: Um, you know, it's funny because before we started this conversation we had mentioned to each other, you know, you've known me Mm -hmm. since I was young and that was, we never really talked about it. So it was kind of the same for me in a sense of it really wasn't, I didn't notice it Mm -hmm. that much because it wasn't really talked about Mm -hmm. Um, within our household. And then just with our friend groups, like that was never really pointed out. Um, I will say some of the hard struggles or Difficulties with having white parents was just a lack of, you know, African American role models at a younger age Mm. in my life that I didn't really have. Um, You know, my parents' friends are amazing. Like, I wouldn't trade that for the world. They taught me lessons that I hold very near and dear to my heart. But there, you know, there are times where I see now in conversations, they say, make sure you surround yourself with people that don't look like you, especially if you're parenting um, children of color right? Especially in an adoptive family. And so I think that was one of the struggles. And then also, to be honest, I wasn't comfortable with my blackness until college. Oh. And it wasn't anything my parents did, my family did or anything like that. It was, I was forced into a bubble by my peers and people around me growing up. And even uh-huh. some of the kids that I grew up with of, oh, well, you speak well, you act like this, so you're white, I wasn't really allowed to be black unless I was acting a certain way. And, you know, it took me getting to college to realize you are diminishing blackness. It's strong. It's beauty. It's bold Mm -hmm. and articulate. Like, it's full of so much more than that. But until I got to college, I just didn't realize that, right? And that's part of me being naive and young. But that was one of, I think, the struggles. And now, you know, I'm proud and bold of it. But it's hard because I think back, I'm like, Shoot, did mm-hmm. I speak up when I should have? Yeah. Like did I let the little jokes slide and be like, "Oh, sorry, Bree." Yeah. You know, like, "Oh, no offense, Bree." Yeah. Like how many of those things have I heard my whole life, tons, and I never said anything? Right. Cuz I was like, "Oh, they don't mean it that way." Right. But now I see how they act as adults, and in fact, they didn't mean it that way. Hmm. So that's something that was probably, you know, one of the harder things, and then also if I did go through something or see something, struggling to come to my parents about everything with that kind of stuff because I knew they didn't understand what it was like to be in those shoes. And I didn't want to make them uncomfortable or feel, you know, because when you're younger, you think it's very one side against the other. Mm -hmm. And if there was a situation that was frustrating with how a white person acted, I felt if I went to my parents about it, they would think I was like looking negatively at white people as a whole. Right. Which was not the case whatsoever. Right. But – I struggled sometimes with being open in that sense. What do you think happened in college that helped you? What you, yeah. what you described? What my you think friends, mm-hmm. I had, you know, many black friends in college. Most of my friends in college were black. So I think them just accepting me mm-hmm. and never questioning it, never saying, do you prefer this? Do you prefer, like I was just free. I was mm-hmm. allowed to be me no matter what that looked like. And you know, my fellow black friends were like no you're a black sister too and
2: mm-hmm. it's
3: fine like you're exce- you're okay yeah. you're home you can speak up for your people it does not matter cuz i have friends that were fully black that were lighter than me i mean uh-huh. that's the beauty of our color it can be all ranges uh-huh. so i realized that i'm like oh, okay it's not it's okay to be proud of who you are and it's okay to speak up for that even though i might have been raised by two white parents um, and had maybe more white friends in high school. And that's the beauty of the full circle yeah. is now my friends that are those genuine friends, I'm like able to pour back into them and teach mm-hmm. them so many things I learned and speak up and be proud of that half. Um, so I think in college, it was just acceptance. Yeah, I wasn't told to put in a bubble. I wasn't yeah. told to act a certain way. I was just allowed to be me. And that happened to be somebody who's biracial.
0: Mm-hmm. There's also something that happens in college, I think it's the first time that you're living outside of your home. And so – and part of it is hard because you're like, wait, who am I? If I'm not such and such as daughter and, you know, like who am I? And, and growing into that is a really beautiful thing. Okay, Sean, you mentioned you wish you had done some things like diversity in school. What are other things that you wish that you – like what are other ways?
1: That as far – as, things I did or things I didn't do. Well, you
0: said you were happy that you, mm-hmm. y'all chose diverse, mm-hmm. like a school that you specifically chose to be diverse. Right. What are other areas that you feel like you didn't get outside of your comfort zone? That's what I'm well, curious about. I
1: mean, church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our church is very, mm-hmm. very white. Um, I think one of the first times that it was really pointed out to us to me, was po- it was pointed out by Josh to Brett, mm-hmm. and I let Brett tell the story, but I mean, even with places sometimes maybe where we took the kids on vacation, oh, um, you know, yeah. you could, might, we might be at a resort that was, you know, almost all white people, and there's, I'm learning that, that that's fine for me, I'm comfortable there, but that doesn't mean that my children might not feel out of place and feel like other in yes, that kind of situation yes. but Brett, you can tell what yeah, no we ended up josh. in
2: vacation we, we weren't planning to go there but we ended up in uh in memphis and nashville so we were in nashville we like it was all kind of spur of the moment so we went to the grand Ole opry so we're sitting in a grand Ole opry waiting for it to start and i'm sitting next to josh and and uh he you know he pokes me and says dad and i said what and he goes I think I'm the only black guy in here. And, I, and I'd and i like already noticed this myself. I'd already noticed this myself. And I go, I laugh and I go, yep, son, I'm pretty sure you are. You okay with that? He said, yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that. I said, okay. So we yeah. moved on. It was all good, but that's just an example of, and I, and I knew it going in. I mean, you know, that that was going to be the situation, but we were, you know, our kids were both athletes and, uh, when Josh was playing football, you know, I would hang out with the other dads, and one of the teams he played on was mostly black kids, and and uh, so I would we would do stuff with the parents, with the dads. And one mm. time, Josh looked at me and he goes, "How's it feel, Dad?" I go, "What?" He goes, "How'd it feel to be the only white guy in here?" You know, how's it feel to be, feel to be the minority? And I laugh, you know, like you know, Josh, it it really feels fine. Yeah. I said, "He goes, well, now you know what it's like." I said, "Yeah, now I, know, I guess now I know what it's like, but it's it's all good."
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, we do have a unique perspective. So with what's going on right now in society, um, you know, Sean's Sh- been very, you know, vocal. Bree's been very vocal. I've been somewhat vocal. And and we have a perspective because of our family and that experience that we do see things differently. We see them differently than we would have if we didn't have our kids, right? Right. And, and you know not that that makes us any smarter or better it's just our experience and and allows us to i think speak into what's going on a little bit differently and we've been told i mean i've been told by you know friends of mine at church that you know things that we've shared have made a difference mm. in terms of how they think about yeah you know what's going on
1: yeah
2: and uh, and it's only through you know the the experience right that that we've benefited from that
1: And But to be fair about our church, there was a point in time when I decided my kids needed to go to church closer to school so that they could go to church with school friends. And so we spent a whole summer visiting other churches, and our kids would say, yeah, that church was nice. When are we going back to our church? (laughs) So (laughs) we are at First Baptist Richardson because of our kids. (laughs) Yeah. Oh,
0: I love that. So Bree, similar question of like, is there, when you think about your community, friends, the people that, and and you can answer this either way. If there's something that it's like, you know what, I wish that this, I had had this, or what are you thankful for? What did you have that you're grateful for as far as your community?
3: Yeah, um, I think same kind of thing with our church. Um, Like she said, even though there was maybe a bit of a lack of diversity when we were younger, I'm thankful for being still a part of that community, but seeing that diversity grow now. So that's been one of the most rewarding things for me. And I have even posted about it on Facebook. Shocker, we're a little bit of a Facebook family. Um, <laughs> you
0: can, but you I, can follow them if you're listening. We'll, we'll, we'll link it. <laughs> we all got the
3: same last name. It's yeah. a different one, so it's not hard to find us. Um, but that's one of the most beautiful things I'm so thankful for is growing up and now as an adult, you know, Even serving in the children's ministry and doing different stuff and going to the different services and just seeing all the different kinds of people there and having, you know, a black pastor now and having our lead pastor be Hispanic, like it's just a whole change, completely different. And you know, when I think back as a kid, yes, there was not a lot, but as a kid, like she said, we were just so absorbed by that community and we were all just friends and you know, children of God that all had the same goals and objectives to, you know, be positive contributing adults one day that did it in the Lord's name. So that for us, you know, wasn't even a conversation. So I'm very thankful for having that as a kid, but even more so as an adult. Um, And then also outside of church, the athletic community, I'm incredibly thankful. Some of my closest friends to this day are girls I played sports with um, throughout the years. And it led me into coaching, which gives me a whole new community in my own little family that I have now with my athletes. So I'm definitely thankful for sports and my church community probably the most because they were with you through and through. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. If you could go back to your, let's say, third grade self, because that's grade my Brie. Third, that's third grade Brie age. is my favorite memory, actually. <laughs> it is. Um we're there we'll we're building more memories, even more though, but that's <laughs> still one of my top ones. Um but if you could go back to third grade Brie and tell her something, and you may have already mentioned it, but like what would you say?
3: I would just say be yourself. Mm-hmm. Just be comfortable. Like stop trying to fit into every little like Stop trying to play the role that you think people around you want to play. Because I'm mm-hmm. a people pleaser to a fault. I have been since I was little. I have a really big heart, even mm-hmm. with all the sassiness. It comes from a place of love. Um, so I just I would always put so much pressure on myself to be the perfect child. Am I doing this and that right? Mm-hmm. To be the perfect student, the perfect athlete, the perfect friend, the you know, the perfect mixed person, the perfect, you know, mm-hmm. I tried to put myself into very thin categories. And so I would just tell myself, be you, just be Brie. If people ask certain questions that are tough, dealing with race or anything else, I just say, I'm Mm Brie, who happens to be mixed, right? Do you
0: feel like that is just naturally part of your personality or do you think that comes from being adopted and being, you know, what, what, what part do you just the, the, um, pressure to fit into these boxes.
3: I think that's a lot of me. Yeah. Naturally. Um, you know, I, my parents, they've always had high expectations of me. And, you know, my friends have always called me the mom of the friend group, even since I was little. I mean, people was not a shock when I was a teacher. It was, nothing was a surprise. So I think a lot of that was, you know, ingrained within me. But there was also a little bit because of my unique situation, I think maybe added to it, just that That level that you don't want to cross to where Mm -hmm. it gets overwhelming, that maybe pushed me over that level sometimes because of my circumstances. But no, unfortunately, I'm just, that's, that's just me. But isn't
1: that (laughs) interesting too, because you knew third grade Brie, and so would you think that third grade Brie was trying to fit into boxes? Brianna, no, no, that's that's the thing, right? Yeah,
0: that's what's weird. But I think... I think that's normal for mm-hmm. all of us right. to be – and and we're all trying to figure out who we are, and some, I think, are more people pleasers than others, you know, but, um, but I think we're all trying – and that's a journey of life, like, right? Because when I hear her say that, I'm like, you mean third grade Brie wasn't just doing her own yes. thing and
1: wasn't just being Brie? Because that's how she came across to me. Yeah. But – but there's I'm all totally that like, internal yes, stuff, right? That it is. You don't let everybody see and for
0: sure. And as parents, how do we help our kids be themselves? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different yeah. ways we can do that. But how do and we And so
1: that's one of those things because here I am and Bree says that and I when she was in their grade, I had no idea that mm-hmm. was going through her head. So hey parents, your kids may have something going on inside that you can't yeah, tell. For sure. <laughs>
0: for sure. Absolutely. Okay, what is your favorite thing or something you're most thankful for about your parents?
3: Oh, that's such a hard question. (laughs) I listened to the Robertson one, and when they answered it, I tried to like copy and paste parts of it because they said it so well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. It's so hard to narrow that down. I mean, first of all, I think it attests to every single person that's met my parents is just oh, my gosh, your parents, they're just some – your dad is one of the funniest people mm-hmm. I know. Your True. mom is so yeah. sweet. You know, they work so hard. Like, all the – so I've never heard anything but good things yeah. from other people, you know, about my parents and my friends from college. I can't wait to meet your parents. Oh, Just the way you talk, like, I can't wait to – why? I you know, <laughs> no, yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, but I think the main thing that I love about them, they're just good people. Yeah. And that's – you know, they say, and obviously they might operate different because they have biracial children, and stuff like that. but that's them as humans., yeah. they've always felt the way that they felt about everything in life, about their relationship with the Lord, mm-hmm. about, you know, what they envision as a family, and for them to just say, "Oh, it was already a part of our conversation with adoption. Yeah. that's not common. Like yeah. not everybody sits there and can just easily, and maybe it's not easily wasn't easy in the moment, but they can say, Oh, yeah, well, that was a conversation because if that was God's path, like, my goodness, that is so hard. But you just made it seem so easy because you, without a doubt, were like, we're going to end up where he wants us. Um, So they're just stinking good people. And, I mean, there's a reason that I blow up their phones all the time and bother them at their ripe age of 24. And we'll continue to do that forever because – any time that I need to talk about anything or any kind of advice, I go to them. And not that they have the perfect answers every time, but I know their answers come from a good, Christ-filled heart. Yes. And they'll help. You know,
0: they know me better yeah. than anybody else, too. So Aww. they're just good people. Yeah. As promised, here is my third-grade Bree story. So I was her camp counselor when she was in third grade. And once all of our third-grade campers were asleep— The counselors would go out to a little meeting room that was attached to the cabin, and we would write our affirmation cards and mostly talk and laugh. But apparently our talking had gotten too loud, and Bree opened the door of the cabin to our meeting room and asked, could you guys please be quiet? We're trying to sleep in here. Turns out, which I found out later, the other third graders had a conversation in the cabin about who was the best person to go out there and tell the adults, and they all decided Brie was the best person for the job. And honestly, we were being too loud, and our third graders did need to sleep, and someone did need to tell us. She was right. But I think about Brie then, and I think about Brie now, and God is continuing to work through Brie's bold voice to make things right in the world. And it is through Bree's experiences that she's able to bring this perspective and truth to our world. And her adoption into Brett and Sean's incredible family when she was just a toddler is a part of that experience. And it is a part of God's great plan for her. And honestly, it is a part of God's plan to help our world look more the way that he wants it to look. Man, I loved it. I love thinking about that. And I think all of us as parents are helping our kids see that they have a voice, a voice that can help make our world look more the way that God wants it to look. I hope you found something that you can relate to from today's conversation. And thanks for joining us. If you have any questions or just want more tips for parents, Let me know at ilassiter at fbrichardson.org. I'd love to talk with you. See you next time on the Four Parents podcast.